What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Justin Insight podcast. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of films, music, and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, I did post something on social media yesterday just to explain why this episode is a little bit late, but I apologise anyway. Uh, basically, I've got really shit internet connectivity at the moment. Um, and I can't get access to anything on the internet. So uh, I went to upload this as normal to go up ready for you guys on Tuesday morning. Nothing happened and it just kept buffering and buffering and buffering. And lo and behold, I, but by the time it got to sort of 10 o'clock, I get, kind of gave up. And so I thought, give it another try today. So fingers crossed we're, um, we're all good at the moment. I have three full bars. So yeah, that, this should be up with you. Wednesday morning, hopefully. Um, yeah, but I'm going to give you a quick, quick rundown of my week. Uh, once again, pretty work orientated, as my boss has been away for the week, so I was in charge. Had to do a lot of the the hard graph, so to say. Um, but I did get to see two very different kind of shows, uh, which were part of work. Uh, one was called. Uh, it started with uh, Jason Donovan, which was a one-woman show by an Irish performer called Sarah Blanc, uh, which was absolutely hilarious. It's kind of like her journey through her love life. Um, but yeah, just having in stitches from, from beginning to end. So if she's anywhere near you, I highly recommend going checking her out. I, be- I believe she's doing Edinburgh this year. I could be completely wrong. But yeah, go check her out if... if you get the opportunity um also i went to see country music duo the shires uh i'm not ashamed to admit it's the second time i've seen them um considering it's not my my normal music taste as you would clearly guess by the guests i have on here um but i thoroughly it was thoroughly enjoyable um they were really good they've kind of really worked on their their crafters for a show the production was really cool um and they, they obviously know how to work their fan base. But one of the highlights of the show was uh, there was this family sat two rows in front of me. Um, and the dad was just determined to embarrass his daughter, which was it was just joyous. It was just a brilliant thing to watch. She was losing her mind with how annoying her dad was. So, yeah, it was pretty funny um, to watch that. Uh, on a kind of more personal note at the weekend, I went and saw the solo film. Um, and I've got to be honest, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've seen obviously uh, critics kind of bagging on it and other people saying it's not very good um, which kind of meant I went in with low expectations um, but I really liked I, I really liked it I really liked it um, enjoyed the callbacks that were in there I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything in case anyone hasn't seen it and wants to see it um, but yeah I, I, I thought that it kind of tied in nicely with the whole Star Wars world that that's that's now being built and expanded on and so on and so forth. So, I I thought it was a decent film to be honest. Not the best Star Wars film, but still a pretty solid one. Um, something else that I want to to kind of let you guys know is that uh, I've started using our social media platforms to kind of put out a bit more kind of music, wrestling, film based news because. I've become aware that I just kind of use it to post up when these episodes happen and and that's kind of very little activity from me on there but I want to kind of start using it more to to push what's going on in in the music world and and so on and so forth um so if you head over to Twitter and follow us it's at just underscore and underscore insight um we'll be tweeting about various events and so on and so forth uh hopefully going to be doing some sort of 
promotion in towards festivals so looking to to give shout outs to 2000 trees Art tangent obviously we're going to be at fluff again this year so we'll be sort of keeping on our, our eyes on they're the main three that we'll be keeping our eyes on for for the upcoming future um so yeah get, go follow us get involved give us a give us a shout out and so so forth um that's enough of me rambling on as as always. We'll get on to this week's guest. Uh, and I'm joined by Wolves in the Throne Room drummer Aaron Weaver. Um, and I was really excited about this one. Um, I, I know I say that a lot, but it's it's starting to show that this, this little show that I started just more than a year ago now is getting some notoriety that people want to be part of it, which is which is really great. And I really appreciate everyone who listens and... and compliments what what i'm doing um yeah but so anyway we talk about uh how immerse the immersive nature of of wolves music what how that kind of comes about the influence that nature has on how they kind of bring everything together um and how their soundscape just kind of forms naturally as well like if you're a fan of wolves in the throne room you'll know that they have songs that kind of span out for 12 15 minutes um but with that kind of black metal, death metal sort of vibe to it. So I was interested to kind of see how that kind of all works together. But obviously Aaron says it it just comes naturally to them. Um, so yeah, please sit back, enjoy this episode that, uh, with Aaron Weaver, and I'll see you on the other side. Really honoured to be joined by Wolves in the Throne Room drummer uh, Aaron Weaver. Uh, Aaron, thank you very much for for joining me. Um, as you mentioned before, I kind of hit the record button. Been out build, building a fire for yourself. So, been a busy day for yourself. Um, yeah, I woke up too early. I was up really late last night, packing the bags to come to the UK and finishing up um, putting some together, together some tracks for a uh, radio show. And drank a bunch of coffee at 5 p.m. because I knew I'd have to stay up super late. And my uh, four-year-old boy had me up bright and early. Oh no! I built him a fire in the wood stove because he was cold. <laughs> so the lo- living the life of a fatherhood then. Oh yeah, man! It's the greatest blessing. So good. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, Aaron, obviously uh, the show is called Just an Insight, so I like to take my guests. Uh, on a journey through their musical career and, and how I like to start that off is to find out what your first exposure to alternative music so when did you kind of discover alternative music um, I think the show that really changed my life and turned me on forever to just a way of doing things was um, seeing Neurosis play on the Through Silver and Blood tour Right. this would have been 1995 or so and so I would have been in high school and there's a punk venue in Olympia called the Backstage. It was like the backstage of a big old theater. And that was just the spot in the old days. Um, like, you know, Nirvana played there and a lot of grunge bands, but it was mostly punk bands from Olympia that um, people were really into. Mm. Super local, super local, super DIY scene. Um, I don't know. Do you know much about music from Olympia? Uh, no, no I'm, not, I'm not overly familiar. I mean, bands like... Um, like kind of riot girl bands like Slater Kinney and oh, okay and so I mean that's all Olympia stuff so K Records is from Olympia and Kill Rock Stars Records is from Olympia 
And so people know Olympia for that kind of indie pop kind of stuff. Yeah. Kind of more like, you know, yeah, just like indie in general, sometimes on the harsher end, like Unwound, a band like that, or Carp. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of like really crazy, harsher, darker stuff too that was influenced by, I don't know, Discordance Axis and Naked City and more kind of spazzed out, grindy kind of stuff. And, mm. You know, being a small town, the metalheads hang out with the punks because it's too small to divide up into different scenes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess like thinking back to being 13, 14, it was Morbid Angel, Altars of Madness and master of puppets and then punk bands at the capitol theater and then helping neurosis load in and set up their show on that tour it was at you know they were at the end of like 40 dates oh wow in a van doing acid every day and just doing crazy <laughs> shit so yeah that, that opened my opened my third eye forever and here i am <laughs> so were you kind of thrown into that sort of you say the, the punk metal scene from quite an early age then oh of course yeah and so, obviously, seeing that kind of experience, what, what, when did you kind of start experimenting playing music, and, and kind of was drums always a first choice, or did you kind of fall into that? My first instrument when I was like, I don't know, thirteen, was bass guitar. Right. And then switched to drums maybe when I was, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen. Okay. And and was it? Was it a case of that you just felt more natural in, in that kind of role, or was it something that you had to work at? Mm, let's see. No, I think I just saw a few really inspiring drummers. Okay. Uh, yeah, like like who? There's this band called um, We Had the Prophet No Lord Shall Live, okay. which was a queer hardcore band from Olympia, and uh, their drummer was just, just a beast, completely insane. <laughs> and then there was a band called Carp. Yeah. Um, do you know that band? I've, I've I've seen them. I've heard the name. I'm not sure if I've I've listened to them before. They're really cool, and the drummer was just mind blowing. Yeah. And so I think that I wanted to be like those two guys. Cool. And so, what was your kind of early sort of musical experience like? Obviously, what what were you? What were the first sort of bands that you were were playing in? Were they kind of more on the metal side, more on the punk side? Where where did where was your oh, man, your jumping so point? Cool the worst like <laughs> white zombie like primus there was some really bad influence <laughs> in addition to like really good things there was some like there was some poison in the mix okay so so was it just the case so how talk, talk me through the the kind of evolution to to where we get to where we are now with wolves like what what were you kind of listening to in in those interim periods that kind of influenced your drum style that we hear today specifically about drums yeah it, what, like what, was there anything that, that you can kind of remember that sort of changed the way that you you play oh yeah definitely seeing elvin jones play um when i was maybe 18 okay as in high school yeah watching elvin jones play was another life-changing thing like the way he uses the ride symbol yeah and um i mean on the technical side it's just like hand technique stuff but more just the pure spirituality and the just extremely pure and powerful love that was just pouring out of him. Mm. Uh, it it was um, just so pure. Um, that was a that was life changing. Um, and then listening, so maybe take that and like mash that up with listening obsessively to 
I don't know, uh, Blessed are the Sick by Morbid Angel and yeah. wanting to be able to play as tight and as powerfully as um, Pete Commando Sandoval. Mm. And obviously now in, in Wolves, playing with, with your brother, so was it all, have you two always kind of had that sort of musical journey together or, or did it take time for, for you to kind of get to where you were to form to form Wolves and, and develop from there? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Like, yeah, I guess we've always played music together. In our very first band, I think Nathan was probably, you know, 12, and I would have been 14. He was the vocalist, and I played the bass. Okay. Yeah, so we've done it together our whole lives, almost. <laughs> so, so no, good thing you're not fed up with each other, then. Oh, we've definitely been fed up. <laughs> and do, why do you think you two... Obviously, I know there's obviously that kinship of, of being brothers, but why do you think that you two bounce off each other so well to, to create music? And obviously, we'll, we'll get deeper into Wolves in, in a moment, but obviously there's a, a huge fandom around what you guys do now. And so I think there's some, there's obviously something about the pairing of you two working as musicians. So do you, do you think it's more than just the fact that you're brothers? Um. You know what it is? I mean, more than anything else, um, we grew up together in these woods, these woods where we still live, mm. and just being in the woods together, um, because there's spirits in there, and there's energies in there, and there's wisdom and teachings that um, the longer you're there and the longer you pay attention and listen and notice stuff, um, I don't know, the deeper you can go with it. Mm. Hey, my phone's ringing. I'm going to go turn it off. There's an owl calling. <laughs> Alright, I'm back. Cool. Um, so, I kind of wanted to touch upon that, as you're saying about gr growing up in the woods. And I, I read somewhere previously that that kind of the way that you approach music is kind of more that music and nature are kind of binding together in in a sense. So, do you find that I, I don't know from an outsider perspective, it, it's quite a unique approach to music. So, do do you find that that is kind of enhance the way that that you write music or is it ju is it just because you've known no difference so to say um i think it's developed over time mm. um yeah because when i was younger it wasn't really about connecting with with the forest as much yeah because we're downtown we were like stoked on being a part of a punk scene and uh that's just that's a part of being younger i think mm so it was that that kind of more get i don't want to say getting back to nature but that kind of more being one with nature is kind of something that's evolved as you've grown sort of thing yeah i mean and that's where black metal comes into it mm. because um when i first heard black metal for the first time i was hearing music in my life that was springing up directly out of the ground right like that music sprang out of the mountains and the fjords in Norway. And, yeah, yeah. And I just really noticed that. And I, I think all music does that. But black metal is the first music where I really saw that for the first time in a really powerful way. Mm. So what what was your first introduction to, to black metal? Uh, finding Nightside Eclipse by Emperor in a free bin at a college radio station. Oh, wow. That's a very unique way. Yeah, so I was in, I don't know, whenever that album came out, it was, you know, 
What year did Night Side Eclipse come out? I can't remember. No, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Yeah, but it was it was a long time ago. And it's just always been in there, you know? It's always been this very evocative and powerful um, art form to explore. And, you know, obviously we do our own thing with it. Mm. And we'll get on to where, how sort of wolves form then, because you you say the earlier influences were kind of, as you say, Primus, White Zombie and that sort of thing. So when did did the evolution of this early starts of Wolves kind of come about? What, How did things kind of change in you sort of going towards the sound that Wolves has? Mm, I think it's kind of always been there. Like me and Nathan had a band in high school, like towards the end of high school and right after, um, called Lords of Lightspeed. Okay. And, um, I mean, yeah, and even the band before that, which was called, uh, what was that thing called? Uh, the Hoodwinks. Oh, which wow. Was kind of like, which is like grindcore. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, like, tremolo-picked melodic stuff. There was a lot of the black metal um, vibe in there. Mm. Um, but as far as really choosing to work, to play black metal, to use, to, like, work within the genre, um, even our first demo still has a lot of other influences. There's a lot of thrash and a lot of like the swans, neurosis, that kind of stuff. It's really yeah. explicit. Uh, but obviously on Diadem, it's it's pure, it's pure atmospheric black metal. Mm. And even though you obviously you describe yourselves as a black metal band, obviously as you mentioned earlier that that is something that, that the earlier stuff is. But obviously in time, the bands evolved and so on, so forth. So. Do you, I'm kind of jumping my timeline around a little bit, but do you find like now that people kind of approach you in a different way that, okay, you're still a black metal band, but you've kind of almost broken down sort of barriers and kind of gone into other genre pools and, and embraced other other kind of influences and that's opened you up to a bigger fan base. Is, is that a fair assessment? Uh, I don't know, man. I, just, I have a hard time seeing it that way. The thing that feels right is that we just really do not follow the rules. Okay. You know, like, yeah, we're, we absolutely claim the title of black metal band, atmospheric black metal band, but there's no other band that sounds like us. Yeah. You know, it's unique, and, um, and we'll never apologize for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the best way to put it. And talk me through those kind of early early days with, with Wolves, like... Obviously, uh, I don't know what the the American scene is like, but so what was it like kind of testing the waters with, with what you were doing and try, trying to establish yourself as a band? Because obviously, we're now all, almost 15 years on from when you guys formed. So what was it like in those early days? Um, you mean what were the shows like? What was our life like? Yeah, well, like, how, how, how was it about, sort of, what was the, like, an initial sort of reaction to you guys like? And how did you kind of see things grow? Yeah, I mean, it just, we just felt like a punk band, just a DIY crust metal band. Mm. Um, and so the life for us was going on tour in busted up vans and playing in basements and squats and sleeping on floors. And, um, you know, in the DIY scene, the underground metal and punk scene all through Diadem, that, that era. Mm. And when 200s came out, we did our first kind of real club tour 
opening up for um, Yesu. Oh, okay. And that was the first time we played clubs. And it was different, but um, it, the shows felt really good and the energy so it just seemed like a natural natural progression mm. and i think that's a good kind of a good point to jump in on because the the times that i've seen you obviously there's a lot of kind of uh aesthetics and as you say the atmospheric sort of element to it so it's kind of interesting that you started in those diy kind of uh environments so when was it that you kind of started into in like think about your your outward aesthetic not not necessarily just live but also sort of album art and how, how everything you approached kind of wolves as in the brand oh 100 percent from the very beginning okay uh, yeah the aesthetic was has always been you know just as important as the music mm. yeah like the atmosphere and the presentation and the artwork um especially for nathan i think i was maybe a little bit more willing to let things slide, but Nathan's always been really uncompromising with how things are presented. Mm. And on that kind of element, like with, as I, as I mentioned with like the live performances, I think um, one of the first times I saw, saw you, I think the whole room was completely black apart from maybe sort of like a, a like a very dull, like backlighting sort of thing. And it just kind of, made you feel that you were part of like something special so is that is that something that you kind of think about when you're going off on tour is like how can we make the audience kind of feel what we're feeling when we're writing sort of thing because that's kind of how i perceive it oh so much i mean the yeah the stage show is uh is so important to us and completely owning the space, taking the space over energetically, spiritually, musically, sonically, just completely transforming it into something else. Um, and as the band grows, it, we have a little bit more at our disposal to do that, mm. um, which is cool. It's fun. And um, it means that the band is always different every time you see us. And as I said, my timeline is jumping around a little bit, but talk me through um your kind of writing process because for for me as a fan like listening to your music it's mind-blowing how you come out with with what you do so how, how do you guys approach sort of writing and recording is it kind of that nathan come in with a with something or you're coming with something how, talk, talk me through that process well let's see we've tried a bunch of different things <laughs> And it's changed over the years, too, because when we started the band, there was another guitar player, Rick Dolan, right. on Two Hunters and Diadem of Twelve Stars. And the way we wrote those records is Nathan and Rick would get together and drink beer and write riffs together. And I'd work by myself and write whole songs, uh, pretty much composed from beginning to end. Um, and then we get together and the three of us play it out just me playing drums and those two guys playing guitars mm. um, and then Rick left the band after Two Hunters so Black Cascade was pretty much just me and Nathan um, and that's where that record sounds more stripped down Yeah. Um, the guitar player in those days was Will Lindsay who's played with a bunch of bands um, he was the go-to guy in Eugene, Oregon for DIY shows back in the day he's played okay. hundreds and hundreds of, of punk shows so that's where we knew him from 
and at that time the band was touring a lot you know in a diy fashion and will is just a fucking road dog so <laughs> yeah. it made it made sense in terms of um you know playing the music but he wasn't much of a, a studio wizard the same way me and nathan are mm. and then on celestial lineage it was just me and nathan uh, writing and recording the whole thing oh wow um and and it was harder to write that way because we couldn't actually play the songs because the songs depend on two or three guitar parts to really know what you're working with. Yeah. And so we just have to kind of pay painfully piece it together in the studio. Um, and the result kind of sounds tortured in a certain way, which I really love. Mm. And something that I wanted to talk about, obviously with you recording again, I've read somewhere that it might have just been for, for the last record this happened, but that you, you, you almost kind of go into a, like a lockdown mode when you're recording. Is that correct? Yeah, it's always been that way that everything else kind of disappears and uh, the whole world is... Oh, I've lost you a bit then, Aaron. Oh, sorry, Nick. Yeah, I left off by saying that, um, yeah, you're right, lockdown, like when recording is going on, uh, everything in life that's not the record tends to disappear for a mm. while. It's good to record in the wintertime for us because it's it's easy to be inside by the wood stove and and uh, stay really focused on the music. Is, is there not like a, a kind of a worry of, excuse the pun, but like a bit of cabin fever because you're, you're sort of, as you say, you are in lockdown, you're so focused. But do, do you find that that works for you, that that there isn't that kind of anguish to, to get out and have a break? Well, uh, we do get breaks though because you know we're, we're we're locked down, but we're also locked down in a really beautiful forest in the woods. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of that pressure that builds up in the studio can be um, transmuted in a really good way just by going for a dip in some cold salt water. <laughs> yeah, walking out, walking out in the woods for a while that helps. And in the, the same kind of vein, obviously, you talking there, and obviously it comes across in your music that, that everyone that's involved is kind of fully immersed in, in what they're doing. So do you feel that uh, with every record that you guys do, there's, there seems to be a new kind of element to, to it, and that's the way that I kind of perceive it. So is it that kind of immersive nature that you have that helps eke out maybe the next phase of what, what the band is doing? Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's totally the inspiration for me. Um, just the trees and the forest and the plants and the animals um, in my dreams. That's where all the all the inspiration comes from. Mm. Yeah, man. It's just like what a blessing to live in this forest and have a recording studio here. It's um, it's like a dream. And I mentioned earlier, obviously, you guys are not sort of a, now in your fifteenth year as being a band so what would you say is kind of been the biggest change that you've seen within the music scene and the biggest change for yourselves uh the internet <laughs> yeah. i think that's the biggest change in music do you think for, for for better or for worse it's just so big there's no better or worse it's just a different universe <laughs> and it, on that kind of note with with the music scene in general, I think for for me personally, I think uh, 
it's for alternative music anyway it's it's definitely at a massive peak at the moment where and because of the internet is so accessible and do you find that you mentioned earlier obviously there's there's no one that sounds like you guys and i totally agree with you but there is a lot more bands coming through that are very influenced by you so do you kind of see that that new wave of of black metal bands coming through that have clearly taken something from you and put their own spin on it oh yeah of course do you do you you take that as a as a compliment oh of course yeah no it's it's um yeah it's an honor it's cool (laughs) and i mentioned obviously your your fan base earlier as well that there's something i don't know that because i think it's because of the way that your music as i mentioned is very immersive that that people get really engrossed in what you you guys produce and i think especially here in the uk because it's a, a bit of a rarity when when you do come over that there's this huge kind of swell of of we need to go see you kind of thing that it's almost kind of kind of a bit of a, a cult following so do do you find that as the years have gone by that your fan base has grown and and the demographic of it has changed you know it's always been interesting the fan base always seems the same um in that there are there's a really hardcore leather and spikes black metal audience Mm. and there is a punk audience um and then there's i don't know just music fans people that are into music and are drawn to music and don't feel a need to uh, be a part of any you know kind of scene um yeah it's amazing Mm. it's different from country to country like in in when we play in salzburg it's it's a metal crowd for sure yeah um yeah it's cool and i want to quickly talk about obviously the the latest record um thrice woven obviously there was a lot of kind of buzz and anticipation when that record got got announced and then when it finally came out it was critically acclaimed so and i I think again it was a, a a change from the album prior to that so what was it from an insider what was it like to kind of because there was obviously a bit of a, a gap between the records as well so was it kind of like coming up for air again once that record was out yeah man it felt really good to begin to play metal again to play black metal again mm. um, it just felt like a physical necessity for me especially being the drummer i'm just playing the drums like that is um, just a huge part of my life and my practice um, just the physicality of it is so necessary for me mm. um, so it felt like a healing balm to 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 record the drums for Thrice Woven um, yeah I'd, I'd taken a pretty long break from the drums uh, just to get recharged and re-inspired um, that was the best part for me was just getting back into that vibration mm. And obviously, something that I w- wanted to touch on, I think it's obviously a bit, it's, it's embedded within the sort of black metal nature. Going back to kind of the, the writing process, obviously some of your songs are are quite quite extensive in, in length and things like that. So for you as the drummer, how do you, I, I guess it, prepare is, is, is maybe the wrong, wrong word, but how do you know where where things are going to go is there just kind of like a natural instinct of this is how long a song is going to go this is where the cutoff point is or do you have to kind of is it a case of 
things build and build and then you break it back how, how does that kind of work We just work on it till it feels right. (laughs) I mean, for us, songwriting is just listening to it again and again and again. And as soon as it sounds right, then it's done. And yeah, man, in the past, like it's resulted in some pretty long compositions. Mm. And part part of that is just a tradition. There's like a tradition of long, convoluted song structures in black metal and um, heavy metal in general. I don't know. And Justice for All is like that. Yeah. You know, just weird, complex song structures. Definitely a big influence on us. Mm. Um, but yeah, the the hard part is not repeating some sort of formula. Yeah. Because um, that I guess that's the thing that's completely unacceptable to us is falling into some kind of formula. Um, that's the thing that sounds bad to our ears if it if it's something that we've done before or is too easy or is a cop out there's something that's better that would require some more work to unearth then we always we always do it Mm. and on kind of on that note obviously you you mentioned there's there's kind of that that history to it and obviously now you guys have kind of got your own history and as you say you don't want to sort of fall into a formula so do, do you still sort of revisit the the older stuff and and take influence from that or when you approach new material is it a completely blank slate and it's like starting from zero almost yeah it always feels really fresh coming into it because um, we're excited about the new the new songs mm. um, yeah I never listen to our old records or, <laughs> or, or think about them at all really um, Nathan might a little bit more just kind of making sure that we're not repeating something yeah uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not much of a backwards-looking kind of person. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, and something I, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on, as I mentioned, obviously the the black metal scene has kind of evolved and changed over the years. So are there any bands that you're kind of excited about in that sort of scene at the moment that you're particularly listening to at all? Mm-hmm. The band I'm most stoked about right now um, is a band called Vuna okay. from Olympia. Um, and they're about to go on tour. And they recorded their um, album at our studio in Olympia. Okay. It's just bizarre. It's the, it's, the, it's the most interesting music I've heard in a long time. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be out and about when, they're, when their record comes out. Awesome. Um, Aaron, I'm going to wrap up now, but um, what I'd like to, to ask my guests is, is a kind of a... A final question is, um, what is their favorite song, but with a bit of a twist? So, what is your uh, so what what is your favorite Wolves in a Throne Room uh, song that you like to play live, and why? Oh man, I think of Vastness and Sorrow off Two Hundred is my favorite. Yeah, any particular reason? It's the it's by far the most punishing song uh, as far as stamina for my feet. <laughs> Fair enough. The, the left foot just doesn't stop once. <laughs> really, really long stretches, and it's pretty fast. So I really appreciate just the, the challenge of it, because once once it starts, you can't stop. You yeah, to, you have to ride it all the way through. Perfect, Aaron. Thank you very much for for your time. I really appreciate it, and look forward to seeing you over on our our side of the Atlantic scene. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Perfect. Tim. It was really fun to talk to you. No worries. Take care. Bye. Right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
so there we have it folks a massive thank you again to Aaron for taking out his some of his time to have a little chat with me um, Wolves in the Throne Room are literally about to embark on their European tour it starts on Thursday so tomorrow uh, in Hanover G Germany um, rather than listing off all the dates because I think they're doing something like 17 18 dates I'll post all of the dates that they're doing uh, in the description of this podcast so if they're playing anywhere near you really honestly check them out i know say that about every band that i mention but they're a killer band live and if you're into your black metal no as aaron said there's no one like them so yeah go check them out um next week we're going to have a wrestling week as we've got nxt takeover and uh, money in the bank pay-per-views so we'll hopefully have a couple of roundtable episodes for you uh but until then thank you again for listening to the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon